Hey guys, it's Pam. And as we slide into rebranding the podcast to be a little bit more parenting focused, I felt like this episode that I recorded with Christopher Greco this winter was the perfect episode to start with. Chris wrote this book called Overcoming Everyday Adversity, and it began as a letter to his son, a legacy that he could leave behind for when he was no longer here so that his son could refer to it and later his daughter to hear his dad's wisdom, coaching, and support. I highly recommend grabbing a copy of the book because it really is fantastic. And while you're here, listen to the conversation that Chris and I had about this journey for him. All right, Christopher, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your willingness to come on the podcast and share your story and talk about your book. Yeah, so the book, Eight Steps to Overcoming Everyday Adversity, was supposed to, it was just supposed to be like a short, start out with a short letter to my son. When he, when I, it was years ago when I wanted to leave emergency break glass pool for advice that he would need when he hit, a, hit his wall. We all do mm-hmm. it. And uh, I just started typing away and I was traveling a lot at the time. And after you're stuck in a, a tube going 500 miles an hour, and I was traveling between 70, 80 flights a year. And I just had the time to go ahead and just write it. So I started as a letter, then 5,000 words, 10,000 words. And, and, and I felt I had something and it began with my story of losing my dad when I was very young, how I got over that. And I applied the lessons learned that turned me into a successful father, I'd say husband and business executive. And uh, I found out there are eight, it came up to be eight. It wasn't, I didn't target eight lessons or eight steps. It just happened to be eight. So got my publisher. I didn't really have a title for the book. And she's like, you know what? Just say what it is. Eight steps to overcoming the adversity. It's first to just be adversity. But if you, when you read the book and it's a short read, you can do it on a flight from San Francisco to Kansas City, which was my prime, my primary route for five, six years. It, the lessons really show how to overcome the small stuff and the big stuff. Yeah. So you are a CEO of a business, like you work in the corporate world, right? As opposed to uh, like me, who's uh, a therapist. Yeah. I used to say corporate. I mean, I've worked at corporate. This is early stage is very different. And everybody has, everybody on their plate. I, I was, no, I'm not dismissing corporate at all. We have great corporate partners that we depend on. Early stage, you're always conscious of cash and having to grow. And, and you have to set up a culture and a DNA that brings people over because we don't have, we don't pay the salaries, right? That, that larger right. corporations do. So we have to, you have to find some other bent. And I think we've done a good job doing that here. So I'm curious, what kind of thing do you do in that scenario where you're trying to create a culture that makes people go, yeah, I want to work for you. What's the, what are you doing to do that? So have you heard the phrase culture eat strategy for breakfast? Yeah. I mean, that it's, uh, it's very true. I think we, we found that you know, we had, when I came in 2020 as CEO and I didn't find, I wasn't the founder. Storewise was a company by the name of Retail Software Solutions Group started in 2018. Founder had a great idea to really automate pricing in a grocery store, saving the time and labor, right? And the number one thing when you walk in a grocery store is like, is the store, is there, am I getting a value here, right? And it's the most important thing, price image. In a grocery store. So we had a great idea. And there was just an opportunity after the third or fourth uh, seed round from investors where they wanted to bring someone else in. And I knew one of the institutional investors. And I just thought it was a great opportunity to be here in Kansas City, come in as president CEO and see if I could, I could really make this thing run. And I, I'll tell you, 
I didn't really make a run. I just we just, I just have great people to make fun. I think that the success has been around recruiting and recruiting the right type of rock stars that are attracted to a company that has a mission and purpose. And that's what people want to wake up. Look, you're really showing up to an office or your laptop or whatever work you do. It, it's an eight to 10 hour a day thing. And you're, I have a wife, I have two kids, and like most of us, most of the employees in here, and that's a big deal to, to give up that time with their family to go to work. And if they're going to do that, it better be on something that's, that has purpose, that's meaningful. And I think that's what we've created here at Storewiser. Our growth has been, I mean, we've grown almost 400% in the last two years. Wow. And you brought this work because you're saying when your son was younger, a while back, you yep. started, this book started as a letter to him, essentially. Letter to um, Jonathan. Yep. Okay. So this and my, started. And my daughter was born, yeah. And, the, and my, my daughter was born too. It's just that I could have made a letter to Jonathan and Amanda. Um, but I just, I just woke up. I said, you know what? I want to document this thing because my dad didn't leave really any. I couldn't read anything. I have some notes, but nothing that, that I think he'll appreciate it, at least maybe when he's my age. <laughs> mm. And so I think so will she. Yeah, it's a really cool legacy to leave your kids to actually, I lost my dad a few years ago and to have like the stories oh. and the lessons and the, like the wisdom that you don't that. appreciate. I remember in his last couple of years of life, I was like, I got to get all the stories out of him right now. And thankfully yeah. I was old enough to do that. But yeah. not when we're young, we don't have that insight and that knowing. You're um, right. You're right. Exactly right. So I was reading a little bit about your book. I'm super curious about so it's the eight steps to overcoming everyday adversity. And on your website, it actually says like for adults, for teens, like it sounds like it's got some really good information for all of us on the path of like our self journey, essentially. Yep. Can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? I mean, I think the thing that, and I was just at my company, All Hands yesterday, I was just addressing this. Self-doubt is, is very expensive, right? I mean, it, limit, it, it limits, it's truly a limit on our potential. And so part of the things, the things that I, and my brother would say the same thing and my sister is that the thing that my mom instilled in us was this, was a level of confidence right after my father passed that, hey, here's a situation right now. It's going to suck for a while, but after a while it won't, but here's what we need to do. And I think that's something that we've been, we've consistently, I think all three of us have, have applied that. And I've taken some, I've shared that, I've shared that, ex, that exact lesson with, with the company. And so everybody knows what, what they're getting into coming in here, because I'm pretty transparent and vulnerable in my book. They know the type of leader they're getting, they're going to work for, right? And the, and even in the leadership team, right? So when I came in 2020, I had an established leadership team. And I think that one of the things that helped me was having this book in hand said, hey, I know you're giving up a lot where you are right now, but you know, and you're coming over here. So just read page 106. And 106 is really where the book started, which are the lessons. And the lessons are there's two categories. Lessons on it's on character and then on opportunity and risk. And that's it. So I think the the book is really filled with just eight, eight steps of, of good advice. Have a self-sufficient mindset, know how to overcome uncertainty and doubt. And I don't want to steal. I don't want to give away too much because I'd love for people to yeah, absolutely. You know, go to Amazon. It's, got, it's done fairly well. The book business is very hard, but it's got over 50 reviews. I won, I won an award, the Maxi Award in this year, earlier this year. On the book, it was runner-up in the self-help and inspirational category. And there were like a thousand books that they read. So I thought that was pretty good. So 
We'll see where it goes. But again, it's, I wrote it. The purpose was so my kids had, would have something later in life. Yeah. What was the process of writing the book like for you? Hard. Like any, <laughs> anything worth doing is hard. The, I, it took, I shouldn't have let it take as long as it did. It, it, it was years. I think I said, I was going to sit down and knock and just knock it out. That was a two year process. And that okay. was, I said, you know what, I'm going to, I was doing a lot of 6 a.m. flights. I would leave on Monday, probably every other week or every, maybe once a month. And I would use that time on the plane, at least that one time, then coming back. And then I would just schedule in other four or 5 a.m. wake-ups before anybody was up in the house. And I would spend two hours just drafting the book. I was in Mexico and I would wake up early and go to the Starbucks on my iPad and, and just keep typing because I had momentum, right? And so mm-hmm. I think it, it was a two-year process from really getting it from just the letter to Jonathan to 10,000 words to let me bring in a writer to help to keep building this, put some structure around it. Say, Chris, you should go deep on here. You should eliminate this. You should you should add this. And from it was about a two-year process, I would say is probably more like five to seven years of thinking before that. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. I love just hearing that because what you're really speaking to is that when you want something, that it's not necessarily like, I want this thing. And there it is. You have to, there's a process to get there. You have to have a bias to action. I think that's, that, that's critical, right? And not be afraid of, of making mistakes and recognizing that, look, there, there's no effort without error and shortcoming. No. And that's a, that's not my quote, that's Teddy Roosevelt from the, mm-hmm. from his uh, man in the arena. But I, I, I think that we got, you got, we got to, can't be afraid to act. And maybe I could have drafted a chapter or two chapters of the book, read it and said, this is terrible. Okay, scrap it, find something else, right? If you if you really want to write a book, doesn't then I would have maybe found another subject, but this one kind of stuck with me. But you got to have a bias to action. I think that's critical. Yeah, and speaking of a bias to action, you've also in in all this other stuff that you're doing, you do things like train for triathlons and race. <laughs> yeah, that was I don't know why I was a little bit. That was tough. My wife, when I told my wife I was going to do Ironman. And she's like, you're not going to do that. I did three triathlons. I just had the itch to do half Ironman versus, versus the full. And that required hours. I mean, the weekends I was training for, I probably trained too long. I think I trained for like eight, nine months. I probably could have done it in six. But yeah, I just, I, I wanted to see what my, how hard I could push myself. And it, it was a six hour event. <clears throat> I cramped up on the run, got, just got through it. And uh, I was, I'm pretty proud of that accomplishment because the, that, the Ironman event is one heck of an endurance race. I think, I think it's the heart, the hard, the full Ironman is the hardest. I think there is. Yeah, for sure. And just, I'm just thinking about like all the things that you're talking about. And we talked, I looked at the title of your book, Overcoming Everyday Adversity and having been, having run half marathons and trained for marathons and all that stuff. I understand like this process of you have to be willing to commit. You've written this book. It took you this long. It started with this idea, this thought of creating a letter, a, a legacy for your kids. And you continue to put action to it to get to the place where you are now. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that you said was that like self-doubt is expensive, right? And like your mom instilled in you guys some confidence, you and your siblings, some confidence. But did you, through these process of whether it's training for the the Ironman or whether it's writing a book or building businesses or showing up as a father, because probably one of the hardest jobs you have in life, right, is like as the human being, not all the other things, right? All of us. Yeah. And have there been times where 
you did want to just throw in the towel and be like, oh, I can't. This is too hard. I think, I mean, I think so. But I think for me, for me, the way I think when I start something, I like to finish. That's also that that's also could be detrimental. You got to know when to stop, stop and move on to something else. I probably would have joined this company earlier than I based on the fact that I didn't want to quit something else when that, looking back, I should have. Right. But yeah, I, I like to, I'm pretty conservative. I think that almost to a fault where I really do my due diligence and, and figure out is the Iron Man right? Is writing this book right? And you find that the human potential is pretty, pretty, and uh, we can, it's a cliche, but we can really, we can truly do almost whatever we put our minds to. Yeah. The power of the mind is pretty yes. amazing. Yes. You've read the, so you're a therapist. You've read, you've yes. read the book Growth Mindset by Carol Dweck. Are you familiar with yes. it? Yep. Yeah. So that and we do culture training. I the leadership team has given me feedback that that every every time we have a few new hires, they go through storewide training. This has gone from just me talking to a full blown deck. And one of the things we go deep into is fix versus growth mindset. Mm. And I think one of the most important aspects in growth mindset is that is celebrating the success of others. That that when you have a company when you have a company where people are genuinely happy they're not envious or jealous of somebody else's success especially in our company where one of our one of our aspirational values is that success merit based we're a meritocracy not a democracy totally different that they applaud those who are who are being successful I told the company I said look you know especially on the sales team when we were growing I said look if I have to reward the same salesperson based on performance every week that's what I'm going to do. Because that this performance yeah. and, they, and they embrace that. So I think the idea of a meritocracy, understanding that performance is important and really celebrating the success of others as part of a growth mindset has really been helped and really been part of our DNA. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'd love to hear when companies bring in some of these, some of the psychological research and teachings into creating the culture. It's important. You, you guys are doing good work. I mean, it's... <laughs> The, the, the mind is a, is a compelling study. So I think we should do more to seek to understand it. Yeah, I agree. I'm all, and that's part of the beauty. And it sounds like part of the beauty of doing the work that I do and when I've been involved in research is like this opportunity for curiosity. But what I'm hearing in the stuff that you're doing is what has, what kind of starts the process and thing is a genuine curiosity for like, I wonder if I can, I wonder what it would be like to train and do an Ironman. Huh. Yeah. I wonder if I can make that happen. Like this, that you have this, like that your brain just goes to that place. Like what can I do with this? How can we make this work? Well, I can tell you that before I did the, the half Ironman, I did two sprint triathlons, which are their sprint. You can do, you can finish it in under an hour. And right. I said, God, I mean, that, that is a long distance, the swim, the run, the bike. And then fast forward five, six years later, I'm, you're doing a half and maybe one day I'll do a full. I know my wife might kill me, but you know. <laughs> Who knows? But right. I, yeah, I think that again, the human, we, I don't, we shouldn't, we should never underestimate the human potential. It's, it, it's, it's just amazing. I've also heard that you do some work in your local community, your family, you and your family do some work in the, in your local community to help people maybe tap into that, understand their potential. Yeah. There's school. The, so we were part of the, um, right up until I joined StoreWise, just because we were, I was part of, uh, uh, an education fund that generated scholarships for underprivileged Catholic schools. And, and these are schools that are in underperforming public school districts. So, and these are parents who want, you know, 
They understand the value of education. And so we have a fund that's been going now for almost 12 years that that gives kids, and this is primarily K through 12, the majority of them are elementary schools. I mean, some of these schools have, they, they have fourth and fifth grade combined. Imagine that. I mean, I mean, I, I, it, I mean, my kids have gone or go to a great private school, but I can tell you if that if our private school said we're combining fourth and fifth grade, the parents are right. OK, <laughs> so I mean, they're full blown line out the principal's door. So we fund these schools and we give them we help with teacher salaries, supplies, and it, 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 we enable the parents to do tuition. And we've negotiated a discounted rate at each one of these schools. Plus, we we help with the salary supplies. And bottom line is that since this program has started, the number of the number of students going through the school has vastly increased. So again, I'm not it's not I'm not being I'm not saying the public schools aren't they could be doing better. That's just in my opinion. But we know that these schools that are in these districts that we fund are very are having a major impact. I mean, we had one student, their parents never went to college, immigrants. And when she graduated, she got an op- she got a scholarship full blown to go to Yale. I mean, think about that. No college, mm-hmm. and now she's going to Yale. You're talking if the only thing that that changes generational poverty, the only thing, there's one thing, it's education. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's education. So I spent probably almost probably eight years. I've been in Kansas City now 16 years. Mm-hmm with the Catholic Education Foundation that has done a really good job. We support 20 schools. That's part of my way of giving back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really looking at the work that you're doing that, that you're that first and foremost, you're living your teachings, right? The things that you're teaching in your book, the things that you're teaching in your company, the things that you're teaching to your children, you're living those teachings. I try to. We're all yeah. flawed, right? No one's perfect. Of course. <laughs> I try to, yeah. I, the thing when you become when you become a parent, I think things really change for you because your your kids pick up more than much more than you think, and you want to be an example. I think that my my wife she's she's the product of, of Cuban immigrants that fled Castro, the revolution in the sixties. Um, at you know, two educated people that you know one and one became a chambermaid to get by when she got to the U.S. She had no, wasn't given a dollar. And another is, you know, play cars to get by. And uh, I, they're my in-laws. I love them. And they've done, they're an amazing example of hard work and underdog grit. And so I think the blessing that we have is we're giving both our kids a better, better life. They're earning it though. I mean, they're not, you can't just give it to them. They have to earn it, but it's, it's great to see that we're able to provide that type of foundation for our children. Yeah. How are you asking or how are you requesting or requiring of your children to be to earn it just curious it's one of the one of the large demographics that listens to my podcast is parents that are like like how do we do this (laughs) yeah well the my son wanted to go so he's in the best private school in kansas city and i told him it's expensive that you have to make the grade because the schools the public school system here we're in overland park kansas is very good very good and but he really wanted to go to rockhurst high school and I said to him, you got to, you have to make the grade. And, and he's aware of, he said to me last night, he's like honor. He has a couple of honors classes, which is impressive. And he said to me, the stories you were told about grandma, my mother never really resonated until now that I'm getting up at 6am going to hockey practice, then having a full day of school, 
then going to conditioning training and then having three, four hours of homework and then figuring out how, because he also mows lawns, how I mow lawns before it gets dark here at 530. And, right. and I said, yeah, grandma did that on like four hours of sleep for like 15 years. Right. So again, that, well, I, that probably wasn't healthy. Again, human potential. We have much more. I think with David Goggins, he wrote that book, Can't Hurt Me. And he says that that I think it's instilled in Navy SEAL training. When you when your body is telling yourself you have nothing more to give, there's data that ba- there's data, I believe, that says you really have 20, 30% more. That's just incredible, yeah. right? It's a protective mechanism in the brain, actually, that is trying to yeah. communicate to your body to stop so it can preserve like effort and energy. Yeah. So he says, well, then your mind needs to good negotiate with your body to get more. I think yeah. that's compelling. That's compelling. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It, and it goes back to that whole, like the power of the mind. Yep. Big deal. It's yeah. a big deal. It is a big deal. And I think also just having the understanding and you keep referencing this, that the, that how much potential we have as human beings us as individuals, our children, and how we can instill that or continue to say that. But we tend to walk around going, instead of being like, I have so much potential, we're like, oh, I suck because I messed up on this thing or whatever the case may be. Well, if you look at the industry that store-wise serves, it's the independent grocers, right? So you have to it's a supermarket industry is a, is a trillion dollars, right? You have the big five, Walmart, Amazon, Whole Foods, Kroger, Albertsons, Aldi, Trader Joe's, Dollar General. They control 75%. They're the Goliath. Then you have the, the these 21,000 independent grocery stores that most of them started out generations ago as like produce stores. And you think about all of the headwinds they, they have had, especially, and most people don't know this, but Walmart's... 56% of Walmart's revenue is grocery. More than half is food. So this is the largest retailer, arguably one of the largest companies in the world. And these independents that my company Storewise serve, they're surviving and, and, and in a lot of cases thriving against them. So how do they do that? I think that it's a mindset. It's being maniacal about business processes and respect what, what, what they've done and what they've accomplished. But it goes back to the underpinning of belief in the human potential and also the potential of the thing that matters to you, whether that's your family, your business, or or your personal life. So if I'm somebody listening and just, oh, yes, I want to make changes, but I don't know where to start. Any suggestions? Like what would be your go-to start here suggestion? Well, first Google, the shameless plug, Google A-Steps Adversity, and that will bring you to the Amazon site and you can purchase my book. And I will say this, anybody, any of your listeners doing that, if they do that and they read it and give me any feedback, I will send them a signed copy and then they can take the one they purchased and pay it forward to somebody who feels that needs it. So I'll that. do that. That's And I would just go through the steps in the book. Reading, I never, I did not read a lot when I was, I know that in elementary school, I think I can remember my sixth grade grades, given my daughter is in sixth grade now. But during during college, I really picked up reading quite a bit and then after. And they say successful CEOs read dozens of books a year and you have to. And I read everything from the, you know, opinions in the Wall Street Journal to I audible a lot. But educating oneself, I think, again, it's critical to answer your question. It's all about education. And also, it's good to benchmark what others are doing because we because we think what we think is impossible, we see like a million people a year doing doing some level of triathlon. I think half a million actually does a half Ironman. It's just compelling. It says, "Wow, if they, well, if they can do it, then so can I." 
I feel like we're seeing a lot that a lot in the running community, at least we were before COVID. There was, I know a lot of people, a lot of like everyday runners that are like, oh, I just run at the gym a little bit, deciding that they're going to run. Well, in this area, the Boston Marathon, like I'm going to yeah. raise funds and run the Boston. That's um, a big deal. So you have to qualify for that, right? Well, if not, if you're doing fundraising, so you have to qualify, so you can qualify or you can start a fundraising team and the funds that you raise is like, I don't know, it's like $20,000 or something. It's a big That's amount a big of money, guys. Okay, but after the whole like Boston marathon bombing, there were so many people, there were so many runners that I know that were just like, I run 5k you could run a marathon. Yeah. Oh. And when you just that idea of like, I could do that. I could try that. I could, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen. I'm going to yep. cramp up. I'm going to puke. Yep. Like, have exactly. we been through worse things in life? Yeah, we've been through worse things in life. So, so there's, so, so let me ask. So the following year, when it, there was a big research resurgence, yes. that's great. Oh, that's that's what America is all about. Yeah, totally. Right, never quit the fight. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. So, where can people find you? So they can find your book. Are there other places that you hang out online, or places that they can get to know you a little bit more? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. They'll find me on LinkedIn. I've, um, okay. They can go to my website, ChristopherGreco.org. They can go to storewise.io and easily get in touch with me. If anybody wants to email me directly to, to have more, I'm at Chris at storewise.io. I'll be happy to go ahead and happy to go ahead and respond to them. So that's probably the, that's probably the best way to find me. But I, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So okay. feel free to make a connection and we'll go from there. Cool. I love that. Well, I really appreciate this has been fun. I like love you hearing too. the story. And I'm gonna go buy your book right now, by the way. Thank you. Um, Remember, I'll pay it forward. So, okay. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story. I love this, the, where the book started. Like that yeah. just, I have a 13 year old and like, I think about that all the time. Like, what like, can no. I leave? What's the legacy I can leave for her? Absolutely. That's what you got to do. So, I love that so much. So Good. thank you again. You got it, Pam. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hey guys, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Any questions, comments, or things that you would like to share, please do so. You can hop on over to Instagram and share them with me there. I look forward to seeing you all soon. Take care. One of the most effective things that you can do as a mom is you can learn to regulate your nervous system. Now, you might be thinking, Pam, how do I regulate my nervous system? Well, there's lots of different strategies, but one really great way to start to wire the brain for relaxation, for calm, for more peace is to up your gratitude game. And that is exactly why I created a free email series just for you. The ultimate guide to a grateful life is 15 essential practices and prompts to cultivate a brain wired for gratitude, which will create for you a more abundant and a happier life and you. And all it takes is just a couple minutes a day. These are strategies that are proven to wire the brain towards rest and digest. And that is the side of the brain, the parasympathetic nervous system, that we want to be more active. This is where emotional regulation comes from. So grab your copy today by going to pamgodboys.com forward slash gratitude and start wiring your brain for a happier, healthier life.